Welcome into another edition of the Varsity Podcast. Justin Barney, Sponge Franklin, and we are moving towards the closure of the regular season. Sponge, we are getting towards that point of the year where we're talking about teams being eliminated. We're talking about teams uh, clinching district championships or playing for district championships. It's an exciting time of year. Yeah, playoffs playoffs abound. You know, you're trying to jockey positions to work yourself into the playoffs, work yourself out of the playoffs, work yourself up and down, you know, the seed line for when the playoff bracket is to come out. So, you know, definitely that time of year where you got to buckle down and, and make sure you win to get in, basically. Yeah, you know, some of these three-team districts have essentially already been, uh, if not decided, really front runners, pretty well established. Um, I think we saw last week with Reigns Rebalt, Reigns winning 3019 and eliminating Rebalt from, from the district race. Um, we've got other three team districts that are still materializing. Sandalwood, Atlantic Coast, Mandarin have yet to uh, have yet to play. So some of these three team districts have been um, crystallized in some sense. Uh, Ed White has has essentially locked up a, a playoff berth pending a win over Westside, which we think will happen. Um, so a lot of these districts have uh, have a lot of clarity to them now going into Week Eight. Yeah, even the, now the, the big district we've always talked about. You know the district of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know a lot of those teams have kind of like separated themselves in a sense to where we think we know who the teams are going to be, and that's definitely going to you know play out this week this week on Friday because there's a couple big matchups in that district. Yeah, as you're well. talking about that that district of death or the dungeon of whatever whatever moniker you want to attach to it, but uh, the the Creekside, Bartram Trail, Fleming Island, and Oakleaf and Gainesville Buholtz district. Uh, last week got a little bit more clarity. Bartram Trail beat Fleming Island 17-0, essentially knocking Fleming out of that district race. And Creekside beat Oakleaf in maybe the game of the year, 49-48 last week. What a crazy game. Uh, winning touchdown with uh, with eight seconds left to play for Creekside, 49-48. So Creekside would have would have had the, the same fortune as Fleming Island had it lost that district game to Oakleaf, uh, but flipped the script and beat Oakleaf and uh, stayed alive in a huge district. And again, some of these t- other district teams have not seen Buholtz yet, so yep. that's a little bit of a false sense of security there. You know, for a Bartram Trail, for uh, an Oakleaf or a Fleming Island, you have yet to see Gainesville Buholtz, the presumptive district front runner there. And really, five teams in that district are darn good teams yep. and uh, not going to make. Uh, the postseason if you don't win that district. So let's uh, recap a little bit of Week 7 and and how wild that was. Uh, saw a couple games last week, Trinity-Riverside game, Sponge, and um, interesting game there. That was Lackluster. A, yeah, very lackluster, 30-14 to 14 Trinity win. Cool game for Riverside, though. They unveiled the new backyard, looks, looks, really nice facility good. there. They redid the field, AstroTurf field. Again, it looked like a, a freshly vacuumed carpet. Uh, in somebody's living room. It was beautiful. If you've been to the the backyard before, I talked to Verlin Dormany before the game, and he said, yeah, I was standing over here coaching a game a few years ago, and it had rained, and I'm standing in, in just a puddle yeah. up to my ankles mud, of, of mud. Dirt. And you know, to, to have, for players who have played on that field before, yeah. how have you made it through without a broken ankle or no, something? I'm, I'm telling you, that field was in rough, rough shape. I mean, I know they, they really don't have anywhere to practice over there, so – they're practicing on that field. They're playing on that field. All the other sports that go on over there at Riverside play on that field. So it's just over the years of just wear and tear. I think that feels probably the same when I played on that field back in like '97 <laughs> or whatever. You know, so it's just a a pretty cool uh, thing that they got that now, and it looks it looks sharp, and it just makes that atmosphere now. You know, with that backyard setting and the the way the school is set right there on top of it. You know, now you got a, a beautiful 
facility in a sense that where it just looks really nice and uh, I'm glad they got it. It looks it looks good. It's, yeah, really beautiful. And you know, for people who were not aware of that, Riverside is the first of the Gateway Conference programs or 17 schools in Duval County Public Schools uh, known as the Gateway Conference. All of the schools in Duval County will eventually get one of those beautiful AstroTurf fields, and it, uh, it's going to go in a staggered uh, a staggered start from from prob- from now until probably 10 years from now uh, when those fields will be completed. So uh, Riverside was, uh, having been to every Duval County public school field, Riverside, bar none, was the worst facility among those schools. Uh, I remember going down to Flagler Palm Coast for a spring game like in 2003 or four, and St. Augustine played Flagler Palm Coast, and it was the worst field I'd seen. I, I would have likened it to Riverside's field. There were potholes on the field. There was just sand. It was just yeah. a terrible situation on that field. And, uh, you know, I remember talking to Joey Wiles before that game. He was walking on the field and how they didn't even want to play on the field because it was so bad. And he was worried about the health of his players yeah. on that game. And Riverside's field – was that bad? I mean, it was just, again, when you have one field, that's kind of a, a do-all, serve-all, catch-all for everything. Soccer, er, uh, you know, yeah. lacrosse, every sport practices on that field. There's not practice facilities uh, elsewhere. I mean, every team used that field, and it showed its age. Yeah, there's never surely. a time. There's never, there was never a time to, like, rehab it or get it back right. It just constantly yep. used. So. so really cool to, to see that uh, – the the um, the ribbon cut on that field last week. But talking about that game, Trinity 30-14, I stayed for a half of that game, and Trinity looked ragged yeah, in that they, game. They came out definitely lackluster, and it kind of showed. And the score really didn't indicate how close the game mm-hmm. was, too. It was a 14-all that, game in the second half. It was the 14-all game in the fourth quarter, yeah. you know, and just – Offensively, defensively, kind of, you know, the, the stat line didn't really show what happened to because, you know, the, uh, there was a couple big returns from Darnell. So they, they were able to, he got a big touchdown return late in the game to kind of, after Lee had answered to make it a, a one point game, you know, he had the big touchdown run. Early in the game, they got down there inside the red zone, you know, came up empty on a fourth down. They got a touchdown call back on a hold call. You know, so the game just kind of stayed tight and, and just kind of, you know, just didn't really – it was just kind of back and forth with, you know, defenses, you know, stopping each other. But I felt like the thing that surprised me was, you know, we've talked about Riverside and their struggles offensively all year. They were pretty pretty much able to move the ball at will. They just couldn't get in the end zone except mm-hmm. for those, you know, two touchdowns in the second half. So, if I'm Trinity, you know, you got to get back to the drawing board and tighten up the defense, especially with the – team like UC coming in but just a like you say overall just a crap performance yeah just lackluster performance I think for Trinity uh in Riverside um good, I think a good performance from Riverside from what their offense has been this right. year yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not been uh the offense we remember under OJ Small they lost some transfers new coaching staff uh so a little bit of a rebuilding year for Riverside uh they're two and five lost five in a row um, so a difficult start for Antoine Nicholas in his first season there. Uh, but, again, Trinity, I think you, you see a bigger school will help you down the line. I didn't think last week was going to be a significant test for them. I think I even mentioned on air that it would be an easy game. And it certainly turned up uh, to not be an easy yeah, game. Sometimes, sometimes it's good to have those games, too, where you kind of play bad. You don't play your best game, you know, and then you let a team hang around who probably shouldn't be in the game with you. And you kind of get a little bit of test of adversity, and you're thinking, okay, we should be blowing this team out. We should be handling this team with no problem. And then next thing you know, you're in a fourth quarter game with them, and you're a like, dogfight. You're like, what is going on here? So, like, 
you, you do what you do, you find a way to win, you win the game, and then you basically say, okay, that was a bad performance. Uh, get back to the drawing board, get back in the lab, get back in, you know, get back to practice this week. I know V-Man probably lit into them, you know, and they probably are, are going to have some good practices hopefully this week because you got a big game, you know, basically to, to decide the, the district to find out, you know, whether or not you're going to be playing at home or on the road in the playoffs. So, you know, hopefully – they learn something from the game. That's what you always want to learn something from, you know, wins and losses and close games and everything. You take, you take from what happens in in that game, and you basically, you know, have to learn and get better and, mm -hmm. and improve on all your stuff. So sometimes, you know, ugly wins isn't a bad thing, but you know, I definitely did not play well. So definitely gonna have to bring their A game this week. Agreed. So uh, a few others from last week. We mentioned the Creekside Oakleaf game. What a crazy one that was last Thursday night. 49-48 Creekside. Bartram Trail continued its uh, winning ways, 17 over Fleming Island. Again, Bartram's offense to me has been hot and cold. Yeah, you know, totally. You, you score 59 against St. Augustine, you come back and, and score 17 against Fleming Island. Um, so, again, I, I think the strength of Bartram Trail is its defense and um, the offense is still a little bit kind of finding your way. I mean, I know Lathan Biddles assumed that running back role. He's done very well. Um, Riley Trillo, quarterback, he's a veteran. He's back. Last year was kind of thrown into the fire and, and starting uh, for the first time. So, I, again, I think they're still learning a little bit on that offensive side of the ball. But, again, you're you're hot and cold almost with Barton. Yeah, consistency has got to be – I know I know Coach Sutherland has got to be – we got to get more consistent on offense. we got to be able to, you know, bring – we got to bring our offense every week, not, mm -hmm. not score 60 one week and then, you know, get two touchdowns the next. So, I know he's preaching, you know, consistency in there. You know, get your balance right, get your run game going, get your pass game going, score some more points. You know, bring something to help the defense out because the defense has been rock solid. So they, they got they got another big game this week too. So I'm sure they're in the they're in the lab right now as well, drawing up. Hey, how can we score? You know, score more in this game than we did last week. And, and basically, you know, what it comes down to is is your preparation and learning from what happened from the week before. So. Yep. That's right. You I, gotta, I hope I hope that I hope that they, um, you know, get get in there because Friday night is going to be, to me, this is the best game um, of the week. Mm -hmm. I'll even take it over UC Trinity because I, I just I like what Creekside's doing. So, and then obviously we know what Bartram does every year. So it's 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 nice to see it, that, yeah, that, that it's, it's nice to see. Well, it's not even a rivalry because they've owned Creekside, but. I just I I'm high on this Creekside team, so like they're yeah we don't burn me Creekside like you know we've so both been high on I'm Creekside looking, this I'm year. looking forward to this on Friday night. So another one last week was not a district game, but Pontevedra 32, Bishop Kenny 31. Uh, the Crusaders fall from the UK ranks cut a loss. of the unbeaten, yep. and you know Pontevedra was a sneaky good team. I remember I actually spoke to Mayor Lenny Curry uh, earlier in the week at a Tony Baselli event, and we talked a little high school football, and he said I'm worried I'm worried about this Pontevedra game. His son plays for yeah, Bishop yeah, Kenny. Yeah. Um, and again, Pontevedra's sneaky good team. No, they are. They've been they've been good that way under various coaches they've had: Mike Lloyd, Matt Toblin, um, and Steve Price. Now, so um, a sneaky good team, and they had a, a two point conversion catch by Wyatt Rogers. Actually, went to school with his father, so wow. uh, it kind of shows you how old I am. <laughs> uh, but two point conversion catch from him uh, at the end to propel the Sharks to that win and. Pontevedra is a good team that may not make the playoffs. You're in a three-team district. You lost to Palm Coast last week on a walk-off field goal, 20-17. Uh, to 17. Comes down to can, can Nice help you with some upsets if you're Pontevedra. Yeah. Uh, they play, Nice plays Palm Coast this week, and then Pontevedra and Nice will play later in the season. Great rivalry game there. But does that loss 
hurt Bishop Kinney, in your opinion? I mean, that to me, that was their, uh, if not their most difficult game of the season to date. It was right up there. No, for sure. And we kind of questioned their schedule mm-hmm. so far, and they, they really hadn't played the caliber of teams that, you know, they, they should have been undefeated. Right. So you finally play a team that is kind of scrappy bunch, like you said, with Pontevedra, and, you know, you drop a game. So I, like that that's one of those ones where you're like, we, we are who we thought we were. We, we feel like we're an undefeated team. We get beat. You know, what do they got? Bulls coming up here in a couple weeks. Yeah, too? yeah I, so I don't think that's a bad loss to, no, if I don't, you're Pontevedra. I, don't, I, I mean, definitely if you're Bishop Kenny. No, definitely not. And like I say, you, you got to win. You got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. But I, I feel like that was a team where you're saying, hey, Pontevedra, we respect it. This is a respectable win, basically, because mm-hmm. the teams, the other teams you've been beating up on, kind of, you know, you should have did that. Right. So yeah, and I, I now, now you're finally playing. You, you got to play some caliber opponents where, you know, are we better than this team or not? And, you know, we'll find out if they're what better you, than Bowles. What do you mean? What do you learn? You know, if you're a Bishop Kenny type of program, we've got a uh, Iowa committed quarterback, James Reeser. You've been building things. Last year, they really took a step forward under no, Coach did. Tim Krause. They, they've definitely been winning. They've definitely been winning more than they had in the in the previous years. Because I know Bishop Kenny, Bishop Kenny got a, goes in highs and lows mm-hmm. too. Has a couple is in the past uh, several seasons. You know that they went through some years where they were really good. They went through some years where they were mediocre and bad and all that. So. I, I see their trajectory going up for sure, but again, you got to win some of these games against some of these better mm-hmm. programs that we see, like a Pontevedra, like a Bulls, you know, like some, like some of these tougher opponents you got mm-hmm. on your schedule. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good. Again, no, you never like to lose a game, but for I think sure. that's a good loss for Bishop Kenny because, again, you learn more in a Pontevedra type of opponent than you do a Hollis Christian yeah, exactly. a, opponent. A hundred percent. So I think that is a good it was a good game, good test for Bishop Kenny, especially with. And a bowl, uh, you know, a bowls, an Episcopal, a University Christian coming up down the stretch for you. So I do think that was a good game and not a bad loss for Bishop Kenny. Again, you need to see those types of opponents that you're going to see uh, later in the season and presumably in the playoffs. So a couple others from last week: uh, San Augustine 58, Nice 41. Man, Nice's defense gave up. Uh, what, 51 to Sandalwood on Tuesday night and 58 to St. Augustine on Friday. That defense is bad. Bad defense bad, there. I mean, he, 109 points in, in four <laughs> days you've given up. So uh, that is a to, – to put that in perspective, Bradford's given up yeah. seven points all year. Yeah, and that's great. And, <laughs> and on the flip side, too, you know, we, we've, we talked about Stokes and, like, you know, again, you can only do so much on offense as your quarterback. You can carry the team as much as you can. You know, you score 40 points, you expect to win games. And, you know, I know that's – a couple times this year, they've tried. They've been in the shootout, and then the defense has given it up late in the game, and you get blown out mm-hmm. with a big number and, and given a lot of a lot of points, a lot of yards. They lost a lot of players on both sides of the ball from last year's regional finalists, and uh, I remember talking to Colin Drafts about this at media day before the season, and and he was worried. Yeah, you got Marcus Stokes coming back. But Marcus wasn't the, the the lone reason that team did so well last yeah. year. They won some dogfight games. And, yeah, we've mentioned a lot about Dom Henry, and he was our player of the year, offensive player of the year last season. Uh, just that safety valve for Marcus Stokes when you needed a big play, you knew Dom was going to deliver. But that defense, I mean, we're seeing right now how many, how many impact players that yeah. defense, I mean, hemorrhaged players from last year. Ben Bogle is the, the big name that jumps right. out. And um, just you're giving up games of 50 and 60 points. Not good for Nice, but again, like a Sandalwood, you're you're still no matter how bad that start looks on paper. Yeah, you got a shot. Haven't played it. You haven't played a district you game got a yet. Shot so. to win the district that three and whatever. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're Nice, you're one in six, and you still have a chance 
to to not only compete for district title but win it outright. So the uh, the Panthers' destiny in their own hands. They have Flagler, Palm Coast, and then Ponte Vedra uh, later in the season. So they still control their own destiny. So, yeah, you, you lose the games. You're getting embarrassed. But, again, you have a chance to still make the playoffs. So I think Collin Drafts and, and that Nice team, if they can fix that defense, you know what Marcus Stokes and that offense are going to give you pretty consistently. Uh, but you got to be able to stop teams. And in that Sandalwood game last week, I just watched, I mean, a battery of yeah. Sandalwood ball carriers. It didn't matter if it was Jordan yeah, Bean. Bla- it didn't bla- matter. Blazed him on the ground. I mean, Adam Geis could have been toting the rock as well, and mm-hmm. he would have probably run for a buck fifty. Definitely. So, definitely. Uh, no knock on Geis, but you know, <laughs> just when you're, you know, when you're, it's just unbelievable how many guys found success against that Nice defense um, uh, in that Sandalwood game. And uh, St. Augustine again, uh, Devonte Lyons and uh, Lachlan Hewlett just lit them up. So uh, pretty good week seven slate of games, but. I like this week eight slate a lot more. Sponge is kind of like we, we always do. And um, we, mentioned, we mentioned the Northwest Classic uh, earlier in the show, but that was a good way to polish off uh, week seven, yeah, 30, 19. The, the other game that we didn't talk about that, that was, I think, the surprise was Ed White losing. Yes, that's right. So, like, Fletcher and the C4 Senators, baby, they they, they put it on Ed White. You know, they, they shut Ed White's ground game down. They shut their offense down. They only, only score eight points. You know, you gotta give C four some credit. Those guys, like Fletcher's been they they've been one of those scrappy teams mm-hmm. the last two seasons. You know, so they and they you know, their two losses are respectable as well. So I, I kind of want to see what Fletcher does his last couple weeks of the season as well because they've been playing some good ball. They have, you know, and uh, I, I was completely they, sh- I was stunned. By I was that. I was I, very stunned by that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought them them up. So I neglected to mention them. And also Sandalwood, a 2019 win over Parker last week and uh, two wins last week for the Saints and Adam Geis. And after that tough start, you've won a few in a row. If you're the Saints, you're heading into district play this week against Atlantic Coast. you got to feel pretty good about your chances with that running game, uh, clicking like how it's been. So good starts from uh, from some of these gateway teams. Disappointing performance by Ed White uh, to me I thought was a, a pretty bad loss for them last week. And also uh, the last one, uh, district game from last week I want to mention, Baldwin 20, Yulee 17. Yeah. Big win for the Indians. They're closing in on their – essentially have already booked their district championship, but not mathematically. They still have to get by West Nassau or have West Nassau lose a district game to officially wrap that up. Again, it, it I don't see West Nassau beating, no. you know, running to the table and, and beating Baldwin as well. Um, but mathematically, since we don't know what these rankings are going to do, and that is a possibility that exists, uh, but Baldwin – 30, or excuse me, 20 to 17 over Yuli. So a good season by the Indians and uh, Coach Shields out there getting it done. And um, Baldwin, you know, Baldwin's only lost to Bradford. Yeah, Bradford team who basically shut everybody out. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I, Baldwin definitely uh, has, has been a, a nice scrappy team too. Mm-hmm. That, that was a, that was a scrappy game last week. You know, Yuli's got you know a, a big time receiver. Yeah, Drotty. And he. Uh, What's crazy is that play where he ended up getting a strip for a touchdown. Yes. Like, it was like, yes. you know, Baldwin's about to strip their receiver and get the ball, the turnover, and the ball pops right to him, and he goes another 50 on him. You know, just kind of a wild back-and-forth game, you know, that ended in, you know, good fashion for the game of the week. And it was uh, – but I know the Baldwin uh, people were pretty happy about yeah, that Yeah, very, like very, say, they're, very they're, cool They're literally, them. you know, again, I, I think they're definitely going to beat West Nassau, so – I feel like they're in the driver's seat for that district. Yeah, so I, it's we'll see. We'll see who, where they land in the playoffs. And yeah, all that stuff. I do. I do think Baldwin wins their uh, first FHSA football district title. They would have probably won a couple uh, a few years ago, but they weren't in a district. They were in region play, and yeah. before we got districts back. So, uh, Coach Shields and the Indians 
rolling out there. Before we get into week eight, as we do, we count down our top 10 teams. I'll lead this off sponge going from 10 to 1. Ed White at number 10. I thought about dropping them out completely, uh, falling from 5 to 10 and putting Baldwin in there. But I give White uh, the benefit of the doubt this week, and uh, they're 4 and 2. They fall from 5 to 10 for me. Mandarin back in the rankings. They're coming in at number 9. I beat Westside 28-0 last week. They're 4-2. Uh, Fletcher and C4, those guys jump in the rankings this week for me at number 8. Uh, only a couple losses. They did lose to Mandarin early in the season, 27-20, and the loss in overtime to Jackson. So man, Fletcher's just a completely different team this year with C4 having a year of experience under his belt. I remember talking to him at media day, and he said, Justin, I had a couple plays in the playbook last year when I started. I, you know, we were – Vanilla as right. can be. Yeah. We were just. I came in late to the process, and it's so much different how uh, how a year of experience and you got your system in place feels. And they are five and two and doing very well in Seattle's second year. They range at number seven. They're up a spot. Bradford up a spot at number six. UC is number five. They're up a spot. Uh, my top four unchanged: Creekside four, Jackson three, Bartram two, and Trinity Christian one. Yep, mine's, we, I think we pretty much have the same 10 again, but I've got the shuffle the shuffle deal there. I got TC leading off uh, still at number one, Bartram at two, Creekside at three, so that's a nice 2-3 matchup in mine. And then I got your Jackson Tigers at four, Reigns at five, Bradford six, UC seven, Fletcher eight. I got them jumped in there, like you said, and then uh, nine. I kept the Ed White boys in the top 10. I, like, I thought about dropping them out too because they, they kind of pissed me off. Yeah. Like, I'm like, man. <laughs> I've been hyping up Ed White, and they catch that L last week. But it is what it is. You got again learn from what what you did wrong, yeah. and you know run the table and you know get mad. And then I got Mandarin in the top ten as well. Okay, I got them, I got them creeping, creeping back in. They've got a big game Friday. We will kind of see where they are. Is if are they for real? It's not a big game because they should put it this way. Fleming is falling. Mm-hmm. You're ascending, so you better not lose this one, Mandarin. You know yeah, what I'm and Fleming really is is in a position where it can, needs to continually win because, as we mentioned, they've lost that second district game. They have no uh, no chance at a district title now. So you've got to hope that your rankings points are strong enough, your max preps rankings yeah. um, ratings points are strong enough to get you in that playoffs as a, as a region outlier. And, again, there's four wild card spots or four at-large spots, whatever you want to call them, uh, in that region. And, again, we've mentioned just five teams – in that in that one district alone yeah, yeah. and how tough that is mm-hmm. so uh, Fleming is really on the outside looking in right now um, in terms of playoffs so you got to win there you got to if you're Damian Springs and the Golden Eagles every game now is must win there is no margin for error and that uh, that begins with Mandarin this week okay let's talk week eight high school football and uh, so, so before we get to the great district games uh, two of those this week Riverside Jackson oldest rivalry Duval County Public School in town, uh, always a good matchup. I, I think Jackson obviously is is definitely got this one. De- I agree. Ja- this is Jackson's to lose. They shouldn't, and they shouldn't. Um, we've talked about Riverside struggles this year, and th- this would be a classic matchup if you know you kind of had. If I feel if you had OJ and mm-hmm. and and a lot of those guys who didn't leave mm-hmm. on you know where where Riverside has been the last two to three four years where they were they were the big dog. Mm-hmm. And the script's a little bit, you know, flipped on them. And now Jackson has, and Foy and those boys have taken up kind of that 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 role of we're, we're the best team, you know. And like right now, Jackson's just playing better football. Yep. And you know, until Riverside can get something offensively going, which I just don't see with Jackson's defense. Yeah. You know, I just I feel like Jackson kind of wins this one with with no problem. 
they've won five in a row since that week zero loss to Brunswick. And um, again, I, I, I've said it before, Jackson, I think, could win the gateway this year. They're yeah. that good. Um, they have really, really ascended. This is not a district game, but again, such a rivalry game. The old Riverside Lee games, mm-hmm. excuse me, Lee, excuse me, Lee and Jackson yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, just go back decades upon decades, and the old timers still talk about this as the favorite, uh, their favored rivalry. So this is a great nostalgic game, but I do think Jackson prevails in this one. Another uh, gateway game. This is a district game. Parker and First Coast, the Bucks. Cannot afford to lose. They're no. feeling after, good. They won four in a row. Rolling. You can't. You can't drop a game like this. You got to win this game. Like you say, they won four in a row. They kind of started off slow and then got really hot lately. Parker hasn't. They just. They've been bad all year. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they're still a capable team. So yeah, you can't you, take them anything. Last, you know, last they've week they players and, they you know, pressed Sandalwood yeah, twenty nineteen. That's what I'm saying. You 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 got to get some. You got to build some confidence off of you know banging with Sandalwood because we saw what Sandalwood did to Nice. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you play that game, but. You know, you, this is a game where First Coast has got to come in, you know, ready to play. And, and choke and, you out. And, and get up and yep. just stay up. So, you know, First Coast has been a, a great surprise story. I've talked to Marty Lee a few times this year. And just it's really a good story. I mean, last year was a terrible season for his first – it was 0-10 season for uh, the Bucks of First Coast. I mean, if you look back at some of those DeAndre Johnson, Chris Black, Daniel McMillan teams, Oof. how in the world did First yeah. Coast fall that far to where you're 0-10 on the football field? They did get a win via forfeit. But, again, no coaches claiming a forfeit victory is a victory. That was an 0-10 season for Marty Lee and the Bucks. So, really cool to see them really turn things around this year. He's getting towards the end of his coaching career. And uh, it's really cool to see the Bucks kind of turn things around. And Parker, to me, I would have not believed you had you told me they were 1-6 at this point of the year with that defense coming back. Their offense has just been whatever for whatever reason – Parker's not been able to get the offense rolling. It's it's yeah. been a consistent problem, not just this year in this one and six start, but even years when they won the district championship for the first time in twenty years, uh, a few years ago, beat Westside in just a great game uh, for that district championship. Even those seasons, Parker really struggled yeah. offensively they, and kind of hung its hat they, on defense. They beat, they beat you with defense for yeah. sure. They basically scored enough on offense a little bit. The defense pretty much shut teams down, and they won games ugly. You know, and that's. That's a winning formula, but it's not going to sustain itself. You got to have some. You got to have some firepower on offense. Yeah. You got to be able to score, and if you can't score, you definitely ain't winning. Yeah, in, and they the just have game. not have not done it, and uh, disappointing for sure on Dorsey to have a defense like that. Because again, it, their defense, I think, I love some, you, I love some of their guys on defense too, man. They got a stud linebacker, obviously C.J. Dorsey at corner. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got dudes on defense, but. You know, they got to be like, man, can you guys score some points? Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Offense. It's really unbelievable how bad uh, that offense has been. Another uh, district game, Fletcher at Inglewood, same situation as Parker First Coast. You got to win that game if you're C4. You can't afford an upset. Inglewood, again, a scrappy good team. Um, First Coast handled them last week, though. So um, I do think Fletcher wins that game. But again, you're you're getting to the point now in the season. Where you can't afford a district yeah, slip. I mean, can't mess around. Fletcher and First Coast have really established themselves as district front runners. So you've got to continue to to really take care of business if you're Fletcher First Coast. Those teams. Uh, same thing with Bradford to Coy Creek. Toro's going to visit the unbeaten Tornadoes this week. If you're Bradford, how many points do you give up? <laughs> yeah, if you're Bradford, you got to just handle business. You know, Coy Creek has has really comes grown leaps and bounds, and and they're just their second season. But if you're Bradford, you got to continue to kind of to, to assert yourself, knock you know, knock yeah. things down, get yeah. things done because you got the Palaka game coming up in a few weeks. And if you're Palaka, you're going to Keystone Heights on Friday night. Don't think that's a tough game for the no. Panthers. But again, 
you're you don't get overconfident. Don't look ahead. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be Bradford Palak in a couple weeks for All the district that. title. Yep. Um, but you've got to handle these uh, steps before that. So you got to uh, learn to crawl before you can walk. Kind of kind of saying. Hundred so. percent. That's coach speak right there. One game at a time, baby. Yeah. Win the week. Exactly. You know, win the week. Whatever. Doug Peterson has uh, <laughs> become a fan of saying. Um, and then the t- to me the. Um, again, another perfect example, Middleburg, Columbia. Middleburg, you start 0-4, you've won three in a row. If you can beat Columbia this week, which I don't think is, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how Columbia is not dominant right now. I know, to man. me, it's I mean, so, it's they're so they're so weird. Such they, a tough team to figure they, out. Who they play? Orange Park last week. Orange and, Park. And they didn't even they didn't even twenty six seven. It was it, not it, a. It was in twenty six seven. That sounds at the end of the game like okay, they won by three scores. But it was like a it, tie game at halftime. It was, and, it, and it, they didn't put them away until late. So it's just like I, I I looked at that score and I'm like, man, I'm like, I just saw this Columbia team and they got. They got dudes. Yes. They, they got How? they got weapons. You're right. I just don't. I can't put my finger on why they're not. Maybe they just haven't clicked all the way yet, and it's coming, which would be tough for some teams. But mm-hmm. yeah, Middleburg. They started off very bad, and now they've kind of won. Got yep, some confidence. Got back so and rolling and- I still would pick Columbia in this game with no problem. But I mean, who's to say if Middleburg doesn't bring their A game, they could knock them off. So yeah. you know, it's just one of those things where. You know, you just got to keep playing. And that's again a lot of these district games. We we feel like we know the front runners, but right. there's always kind of a slip up game yeah, somewhere. It, I guess we don't have confidence. These teams have showed us that I don't know if I have confidence in yeah. you because prime example Ed White. I like I had all the confidence in the world. Y'all are gonna run the table and make some noise in the playoffs. Now my confidence level has dropped for you guys. You know, not to say that I, I can't pick it back up and be you know, but you got to show me now. So again, the teams that are kind of like doing you know like lake city columbia you're like okay i know what you guys got i know what you're capable of but you just haven't you haven't put it together so you know we'll see and that that's the fun part about it is each week you know it's a it's a different grind a different challenge and you know you hope to be on the winning outcome and and keep moving forward but like you gotta it's like show me yeah you gotta prove it to me week eight is a is a separation week a lot of these a district to me will be crystallized after this week there's yeah. so many good games and then it's basically it's do or die and that's it's, the game it's do or die like october 28th week is do yeah, or die week. Definitely. this is to me this is the, the separation yeah, yeah, week yeah. this is where you know the teams like brad from palaka really say okay we handle district business yep. october 28th is for the championships so there's a lot of games like that this week uh the inglewood fletcher game first coast parker really some good games that are going to crystallize district races for that uh that week uh, October 28th week of great games. Okay, the two big ones this week. Let's talk University, Christian, Trinity, Christian first. Um, you know, it's not Bowles, which would be the, the most prolific team in terms of the area state championships with 11. Mm-hmm. But these are guys tied for second yep. with nine state championships apiece. And not often do you get teams with a combined 18 state championships in your town in the same district yeah. playing – Meeting in a game where undefeated. you're both undefeated, yeah. you know that this game. I mean, you knew at the beginning of the season when you looked at this game, it was going to be for the district championship. Definitely. But it, the both teams have really provided uh, enough fodder for us to say this is, you know, on paper one of the games of the year. You're both undefeated. Yeah. Your top ten teams. Trinity's been our number one all season long. Can you, if you're University of Christian, these games between these teams since 2000? Have not even been close. Yeah. It, actually, the last two games, I take that back, have been somewhat close. They haven't yeah. played since 2015 and 16. UC lost that game 35 20 in 2015 and 31 23 in 2016. They haven't played since then. You have to play now. You have to play now. Totally. So, 
if you're Trinity, you look on paper, you know, this is an old 3A school versus a 2A school. So you're bigger enrollment if you're Trinity Christian. You have a bigger team. Can UC close that gap and say, hey, we're we're here. You know, you've been big brother for the last few years, winning all these state championships. You've got four in a row. You've got three in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we're we're right there with you. Yeah, no, they, they've always they've always been they they've always been that in my eyes, and I always respect UC because they've you know they won at the two A level just as many times as we we're winning at the three and four mm-hmm. and whatever when we five A whatever. But UC has always been that dominant team in their classification, and they've they've uh, represented themselves well. But when they play against the Bulls and the TCs, the there's upper, still that chasm. They, they just can't yes. get over that hump, and I, I kind of still feel that way. You know, I just you know I just feel like they don't have enough horses to get it done, and I still feel like Trinity is just the better team, you know, overall. But you know, you see, just they 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 can definitely hang their hat on. Hey, we're we're definitely a, a team, uh, one of the top teams in this city, mm-hmm. one of the top teams in the state, you know, but. When it comes to TCUC, I just I, I don't see it still. It's still Trinity. You're you're still little brother. Uh, yeah. Now, I, now granted, you, it, little brother can knock off big brother for sure. Yeah. But like you said, and and all the times I was coaching there, when I th- when we came across the UC game, it was always a big game, and we took it ultra serious. You know, V Man never wanted to lose the UC, so you know. But we it, that game just never felt like it was any problem, mm-hmm. and except those last two where it was a little bit of a dogfight, and you kind of saw. That UC, like we're like, man, UC came to play tonight. They got some dudes. They're, they're they're balling. They're playing really good. So you can't ever, you know, discredit a team or take a team lightly or just be like, you know, we're just Trinity. We show up. We're just going to beat y'all because that's who we are. Mm-hmm. So you can never do that ever. But me on the outside looking in, it's still Trinity over UC. Yeah, and when you look at private school powers in town, to me, it's the hierarchy of bowls, mm-hmm. Trinity Christian, UC, and it was always easy to compartmentalize those guys because bowls was a 3A team, or excuse me, a 4A team. So, I mean, we're talking just swaths of time here. You know, so enrollment-wise, Bowles was, I know we're in metro suburban now, but Bowles was a 4A team. Trinity Mm -hmm. was a 3A team. UC was a 2A team. And, you know, a lot, even going back to the late 90s, early 2000s, Bowles, Trinity, UC were in a district together. Yeah. And UC was the third best team among those guys. So they they struggled to, to do that back then. Now, UC... Under David Penland III has been very good. They've turned the uh, turned the corner. They've won a few championships under him. But again, you're talking, you know, again, Bowles, Trinity, you see from yep. a bigger school standpoint. So yep. to me, it's always been that Bowles 4A, Trinity 3A, UC 2A. Now Trinity and UC are in that same classification, and let alone the same district. How does that does that chasm nail narrow at all? So you see, you know, I look at. You see what they did four years ago when they played in the the Bold City Showcase. Right. They played Bowls in Week One and beat them for the first time in program history. Twenty one fourteen. Matt Toblin's first game at at Bowls. So, I do think UC is good. I do think that that the gap has narrowed a little bit. I remember I picked uh, when I was at my previous job. I I did a prediction for UC and Trinity in twenty fifteen, and I predicted Trinity to absolutely fillet them, just take them apart. Yeah. And I remember being at that game and thinking, man, UC came to play tonight. Yeah. It was a 35-20 Trinity yeah. win, yeah. Uh, but UC was right there battling. And the big difference to me in that game was depth on the lines, and you saw that takeover in that second half where Trinity really kind of just you know, asserted itself and pulled away with that depth. And I do think that teams like UC, um, and I think UC is a, a, a top-level 
um, program in, in its classification. But I do think where you're going to play a bigger team, I, did, I still think Trinity's a bigger uh, school, bigger program. I think you're going to struggle in that second half of those games, the third, fourth quarter, those championship quarters. I think you're going to struggle in those games. Yeah. And, you know, I, do you see we'll, we'll throw the ball a little bit more this year, which I think gives them a little bit more of a chance. Um, but you're going to still run with Orel Gray. The problem, if you had two Orel Grays, yeah, yeah. I think you're in a bet, you know, like a, a no, Trinity totally. has Darnell well, that, and Trey that's, on. That, that's, what I, that's ultimately what I was about to say. When I mean horses, too, I mean, like, you got a major stud in Orel Gray. But when you talk about Trinity, and, you, you know, you're saying lines of scrimmage, which they always talk about lines of scrimmage is where the, the games are won and lost in the trenches. You know, do you have a good O line, your D line, whatever. Definitely a major factor. But when you got waves of athletes, mm-hmm. Trinity's got more right now. You know, to say not to say that you see in the past hadn't, but they lean on four for them for sure. You know, to whereas Trinity's got two stud backs, they got a pretty good quarterback, they got two or three good receivers. So like you comp you complement all that together, that's where I just I think you see struggles stopping that. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like even though Trinity's offense has kind of had ups and downs all year, defense has had ups and downs, they haven't put a full complete game together as well. You know, going back to thinking about all those, you know, every time we talk about, you know, different games that TC's had. So, you know, I just think that they got a little more on offense, and I think defensively they'll do enough, bend but don't break, kind of like the mm-hmm. style they've played all year is, is what will end up being the outcome. So I just I just think they got too many athletes, too many weapons on offense to to basically win the game. Yeah, and I, and I tend to agree. I think, I think the difference to me is you've got – three to four dominant not dominant I, I would say three to four game breaker type players on right. Trinity maybe maybe even five if we're counting a London Smith kind right. of player yeah. emerging um, that receiver so you got Miles Burris and London Smith at receiver offensive wise you got the two backs Trey on and Darnell and Colin Hurley to me is coming into his own so you got five of those game breakers four and a half game breakers at Trinity how do you counter that with UC when you've got I mean Orel Gray is option A, B, and C to yep. them. And yep. I think that – but, again, it, I, I've seen Trinity Christian play Yuli and Derrick Henry, and you knew he was going to mm-hmm. get his yards, and he was the option A and B uh, – option A, B, and C, and he ran for a crazy amount of yards. Yeah, and totally. S- Trinity still had playmakers in uh, front it, of that. Exactly. No, you get 100%. Just because you have – just because you have more playmakers, you still got to make it happen. You, mm-hmm. know, you still got to execute what's being called, and you still got to step up and make – the plays that need to be made, you know, defensively, you got to know your assignment to be able to say, where is four? Is he lined up at receiver? Is he lined up at quarterback? Is he lined up in the backfield? You know, where is he at at all times to basically, you know, star him to basically say, we got to shut him down. We know where he's at. We know our assignment on him. Let's make somebody else beat us. Let's not let four, you know, get loose and beat us. And if you can do that, then I think you got a really good shot to win. I like the, I like the matchup of, Cam Anderson and uh, NRL Gray, yeah. Cam, the fantastic linebacker from Trinity. And, and to me, you know, we mentioned the studs on offense, but to me, Cam Anderson has been a monster. I mean, last week, I believe he had 22 tackles yeah, yeah. against Riverside last week. Yeah. And in the first half, I remarked to a photographer down from another TV station that I mean, he's in on every single play. He and, is. you know, he's looking back at his footage, oh, my gosh, he's, he's in on every tackle. So, um, and I believe – uh, Trinity mentioned there's a, the, the most individual tackles in a game of like the last 20 years they yeah. had stats for. So he is a sideline to sideline prowler. So I do have concerns. Trinity on defense, you know, again, the bend but don't break. If you get into a shootout kind of game, 
can you make that last stop? You know, against can you stay two steps ahead like we yep. saw in that Columbia game? Yeah, so that's, that's the key right there. Like I, you said, I think that's the. Uh, I do think that's the issue that Trinity gives up a little bit of points. Uh, but this is a fantastic matchup. David Penland the third um, has never beaten Verland Dorman. He hasn't played him a ton, uh, but those two guys, a, a good matchup of kind of the new. New guard yeah. and old guard yeah. coaches. Yeah. I always enjoy Definitely. talking to those guys at, at Media Day uh, about uh, about the season and their rivalries and stuff like that. So V-Man winding down his career. David's kind of hitting the mid-arc of his career. Both state championship winning coaches and just a great matchup. So I, I like the I like the Orrell Gray versus Cam Anderson, uh, the the UC kind of uh, the the defense across the board at UC, the Luke Thomases kind of mm-hmm. uh, kind of guys. Seeing if they can slow this Trinity offense down full of playmakers. So I think that is a great game right now. I'm probably going to pick Trinity to win that game just because I think depth and, and full disclosure, I'm a UC, I graduated from UC in 94. UC, so, baby. but um, I, do th- I do think Trinity has a little bit more depth over University Christian, and, and I think that's why uh, they eventually win that game. The other big one this week, talking about UC Trinity, but switching to private from private to public schools. Creekside and Bartram Trail, uh, another game that uh, bears significant watching. District game, Creekside already has a district loss. Uh, Bartram Trail, that big district win against Fleming Island last week. Who do you like in this one? This I'm, it's pulling me. It's pulling me back and forth, and I just I can't. I don't know who. who I don't know who I. I mean, I, I like both squads, and I, you know I've been on Creekside's bandwagon. You know, ever since I think after that Georgia Border Classic, yeah, I kind of they kind of like raised my eyebrows in. I'm like, all right, and then they had the banger with uh, Buholtz. You know, I looked, I, I wanted to look back at it. I'm like, has Creekside ever beat Bartram? So I went back and did the numbers, and they beat them one time, like in 2014. One time, <laughs> I remember that game very well. Any of the other years, they got completely blazed. It was except uh, for last year was a tight game. Yeah, last year was a field goal game. Yeah, I know Sharif had a late pick in that game to kind of seal it with the field goal, and so you know. Bartram's kind of owned this series, kind of like how they did with St. Augustine. And I kind of feel like that's the same way, and it's hard to bet against Bartram. So, like, right now, if I had to lock, stock, and pick it, I'd probably pick Bartram. But I would not be at all surprised if Creekside finally knocks them off, you know, and since eight years ago. But it, what we said before, can Bartram's offense generate enough points? Because I feel like Creekside can score. Mm-hmm. We've seen them score. We've seen them score against – the, look at the two barn burners they had against, you know, last week against Oakleaf and then against Buholtz. Mm-hmm. And Nice. So, and, yeah, and Nice. So <laughs> Put I, up 61 I, against Exactly. Nice. So I feel like if Bartram doesn't bring their A game on offense, like one of their their, their styles where they scored a lot of points and they kind of lean on that defense, I think Creekside can still score on that defense. I do. I, I think uh, Creekside has done enough offensively. Nikki Williams and those guys, you know, run the ball. So Bartram's going to have to bring the offense. And if they don't, they're going to get beat. Yeah, and, and I'm, it, you know, having seen so many of these Creekside Bartram games or Bartram St. All games, history means something in this it, rivalry, it, in, in these rivalries. And you cannot tell me any different, having seen these games and covered many of them closely, that history doesn't trickle down to players or even to coaches, that, you know, it does mean something. And Creekside is 1 in 13 against Bartram. Bartram has missed the playoffs three times in its existence. They weren't eligible their first year in 2000. From 2001 until 2021, they've missed the playoffs three times. Three times for a public school team. That's pretty darn impressive. Yeah. One of those times was a loss to Creekside, a bad Creekside team, might I add. I think Creekside had two wins that season. 
and uh, beat Bartram Trail 37-24, I believe, in 2013. Yeah, and, it was either 2013 or 14 is when I looked at it. But And yeah. kept Bartram out of the playoffs. Bartram went 6-4 and four in the regular season that year, wound up beating uh, a team, I, I believe, Paxson in a bowl game to finish 7-4. <laughs> and four. and But Creekside went to the playoffs as a two- or three-win team. He got eviscerated by Ed White. <laughs> Uh, Greg Stanton was the coach, and you know he knew that they weren't really a good team at that time. But they played a game that night against their rival and won, and that's the the first and only time that Creekside has beaten Bartram Trail. So there's rivalry. These schools are separated by three or four miles. These kids know each other. There's a little bit of eh, class warfare, yeah, no, there's a little, there's, but there I noticed last year it was pretty bitter. Yes, you know, and uh, the kids even you know talking trash on social media. You know, I saw I saw some you know social media stuff where, you know, Creekside's talking trash, Bartram's talking trash. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're definitely they definitely don't like each other. They they might know each other and be <laughs> cordial, maybe sometimes off the field, but uh, Friday night means serious business. Yeah, for both there, of those there's teams. a little bit of class warfare. Bartram being the uh, you know the older, more established school, that, and uh, Creekside being the newer kid on the block. And uh, Creekside was built in 2008. That was his first year. Bartram in 2000 and. Um, you know, so it's that little bit, that little bit of that big brother complex over yeah. uh, with the Bears and their their uh, student body. But until Creekside gets it done on the field against Bartram, it's tough for me to pick Creekside over. Bartram. I, I, that's that's and, exactly where I'm feeling. That's and, exactly how I'm feeling too. Is I, I want to, I want to say Creekside's going to win and pull the upset, but I'm having a hard time just because it's it's Bartram and they've kind of owned you. They yeah. kind of run. They kind of run you. You know, so. Don't get me wrong. I definitely think Creekside is very capable, and I think it could be one heck of a game. And I'm hoping for one heck of a game. But I'm just so I'm split on this because I, I, I've, I've you know, I go back to the Bartram and St. Aug rivalry, and as many times on the field as Bartram just cranked out Division One guys. I mean, Kyle Parker, Nathan Peterman, quarterbacks. P.J. Blazowski was a fantastic quarterback there. Went to Furman, and as many times as they played, and Bartram had the upper head and you know upper hand recruit wise and talent wise at positions. Every time St. Augustine would stay a step ahead for yeah. whatever reason, yeah. crazy playing the game. And last year to me was a, a good example. Creekside, great season, and you lose on a field goal. And you had a couple seasons before on a hurricane game where they were in a shootout was, with Bartram. Yeah, and what, Bartram stayed 10 points like ahead. It was like, like 50 to 40. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, so I, I mean, that was, the other, that was the other one that was close in the last 10 years. But And you just have these games where, where Big Brother stays a step ahead of you. And I think if Creekside scores 50 points, Bartram will score 51. I yeah. think if um, you know if it's a defensive game like last year, I think if Creekside scores 20, Bartram will score 21. I, I just think that this rivalry, for whatever reason, the Knights haven't been able to get over the hump. I know they'll take that as fuel and say, "Hey, this is our year." And Creek, I mean, on paper, I mean, Creekside can score in any place. No, that's and that's where that's that's what the draw is for me, where I want to see how that matchup plays out, you know, their offense versus Bartram's defense. Because I feel like Creekside can score. So if they get into a shootout, you know, that that's the flip side. Will we get Bartram's offense where they light it up and then you get that 50 to 50 game, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's whoever gets the two-point conversion late in the game or, you know, the late touchdown to, to win it. So I feel like that's what we're – I think that's what we're in for. I feel like it's going to be like that, kind of like the Buholtz game, kind of like the, the Oak Leaf game last week because I feel like – uh when Creekside gets in that mode, that's kind of like the way the game's going to go. It's just like how that game ends up starting. You know, it's just one of those times when you get in the game, it just turns into that shootout track meet. And I feel like that's what we're in for. So it's basically going to come down to who doesn't make that mistake 
who gets the ball last, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> and then it was last year. It was that point last year. So uh, Bartram won last year on a field goal, and uh, it's going to be a great game. Really, uh, two headlining games for me this week. I think you feel the same, Sponge, University, Trinity Christian for a district championship. Yeah, two, two and two classic matches. Yeah, Creekside and Bartram, uh, not for a district championship, but to stay in that district race and also some uh, good old-fashioned rivalry. That'll do it for football talk. Uh, volleyball talk, our final Super 6 rankings of the year last week of the regular season is this week in volleyball and uh, still have the same team. Pontevedra at number one. They have stayed that point ever since we've had the Super 6 rankings. They were 0-2 this past week, but a little bit uh, good reason why they were invited to Geico uh, Volleyball Invitational. That was an unbelievable matchup for the top teams in the country. They go 0-2 in that, but they lose to Cathedral Catholic High school out of California, they're the consensus number one ranked team in the country. They lost that one in a sweep, uh, 3-0 game, and they lost to Skyview High School out of Idaho in a 3-1 game. Uh, Skyview has won four of the last six state championships and played for seven state championships in a row. Uh, so an unusual week where we have a team that's lost two games remain on top of the rankings, but Pontevedra just uh, playing out of this world competition. Trinity Christian uh, at 20 and three, they are, they finished number two in our super six and bowls up to number three. Both of those teams knocked off previously ranked uh, number three, Bishop Kinney. So good seasons for uh, Trinity Christian, Pontevedra and bowls. You can find the rest of our super six at news for Jack's. Dot com volleyball districts start next week. We'll have a lot more to talk about next week after uh, what we're expecting to be a blockbuster week eight. For Sponge Franklin, Justin Borney, thanks for joining us on another edition of Varsity. <laughs>